What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Thursday, June 25th. You know I'm always fired up when I get Ed McMahon. Hi-yo! <laughs> anyway, look it up if you don't know who Ed McMahon is. But uh, we have a big show planned for you today. Like I said yesterday on the pod, we're going to play a little game of Who Would You Rather? Yeah, it's a very uninventive title, but uh, basically the game's pretty simple. I went through ADP, I picked guys who were back-to-back, and if you were faced with that decision, I'm going to tell you who I would rather pick. That's it in a nutshell. Pretty straightforward. But before we get into that, I do want to talk a little bit about what is going on in the news. Uh, Probably the biggest item on the NFL front is that the Hall of Fame game was canceled uh, due to everything that is going on on the COVID front. Not a huge shocker there. Not a... Oh no! You know, it's none of that. The sky isn't falling by any means. It's the first preseason game. It's a week before the rest of the preseason. And honestly, I mean, hey, I love, (laughs) I love preseason DFS. No doubt about that. But if we go down the road of there's only two preseason games or something along those lines, is anybody out there really going to be complaining? Because I don't think they will be, and and I don't think this is a this is a huge deal by any means. But we've also reached this annual point of the off season where Josh Gordon becomes a thing. <laughs> this is where we talk about Josh Gordon. Now I, I I joke about that, but I'm not joking about Josh Gordon and the reasons why uh, he is applying continually applying for reinstatement. I've said this many times before. There are things that are bigger than football, and certainly things that are bigger than fantasy football and betting and DFS. We're talking about people as, you know, human beings. We, we Sometimes we miss that, right? When we, we talk about these guys for fantasy purposes, we, they're real people. And, you know, Josh Gordon being healthy is much more important than fantasy football. But we also have to consider if Josh Gordon's going to be on the field, we're going to talk about him for fantasy football purposes. And I will lump into this conversation for different reasons, but... It seems like it's going to be one of those guys, Antonio Brown. I was in a mock draft the other night, the one I talked about on the pod yesterday. If you missed it, I pulled back the curtain, broke down my strategy in that draft, why I made the moves I made. It's a pretty good listen, especially if you're wondering how somebody who does this all the time drafts. I tell you straight up what I was doing in that draft. So go back and listen to that thing. But uh, regardless, somebody did draft. Nobody drafted Gordon, but somebody did draft Antonio Brown in the 16th round. It was an 18-round draft. In the 16th round, Antonio Brown was drafted. It shows the confidence level of him possibly getting back on the field. Because if we, if there was even a, a moderate level of confidence he was going to get back on the field, then he probably would have went in, I would say, probably the 8th or ninth round, but not much confidence there whatsoever. So let's unpack both of these guys. Because first and foremost, Gordon did apply for reinstatement. The expectation is a decision is going to come within the next month. This coming from Jeremy Fowler over at ESPN. Obviously, the NFL has a lot of things going on right now. And, and so, you know, the speed at which a decision is reached, I wouldn't expect it to happen too quickly. The NFL is obviously really, you know, they're, they're focused on getting this season going no matter what. But we are going to get a decision regardless. The thing about Josh Gordon at this point is while there may be some moderate level of upside, the the confidence that I have in him getting back on the field and being a fantasy factor 
is very, very, very low. Like, there's, I mean, how many years in a row has it been? It's really been, what, since 2015? That was when all the suspensions really started. I mean, technically, he had a suspension in 2013. Then 2014, he had the the lengthy suspension, and then everything really went from there. But I can remember as far back as 2015, there would, you know, the B... It'd be like the Josh Gordon round, whatever it was, round seven, round eight, where somebody was going to do that. Somebody was going to make that move, and it basically never really fully panned out. Even when he got back on the field, and he, I mean, he played those 12 games in 2018. Remember, he was with the Browns in the very beginning, then he went to New England. Even then, not much. Last year, Started with New England, really not much doing there. Goes to Seattle. There was a little bit of a buzz, you know. And remember, he was he was put on injured reserve and that whole thing, and then really nothing. Josh Gordon in 2012, in 2013, especially in 2013, amazing, amazing. Josh Gordon in 2020, uh, 29 years old, uh, not much there for me even if he does get back in the league. And hey, for his own sake, whatever he needs to do, you know, get get everything on on track in his life, then do it. But for us for fantasy purposes, mm, I'm not I'm not too high on him. Antonio Brown's a different story. <laughs> and I mean, I guess we should unpack this. Obviously, very different things going on here, we know. And if you listen to my podcast last year, you know we had a running red flag count. And basically, for me, if there's one red flag with a player, I'm willing to discount that red flag when it comes to fantasy purposes. Like, So the red flag with Antonio Brown, the first one, was the unceremonious departure from Pittsburgh. All right, willing to discount that. But then there were more red flags that started to crop up pretty quickly in Oakland, and then it was like a snowball of red flags. I mean, we I think I lost count at about seven red flags. Even you know, and and that was even before he goes to New England. He goes to New England, and I, I'll I'll never forget this. Uh, I was uh, on Sunday mornings. I'm at CBS, and you know we're in the middle of doing the show, and one of our talent coordinators is a huge Patriots fan, and so he said Antonio Brown is going to score three touchdowns today, and we're all like, "You're crazy! You're crazy! You're crazy!" Antonio Brown almost scored three touchdowns in that game. He scored one. And he had two more end zone targets. He wasn't. He was barely on the field in that game. Now, of course, the season didn't work out very well, and there's a lot more to the story. There was additional red flags afterwards, right? But the fact of the matter is, his name is not going away. Now, he's not in the plans for Tampa Bay. That was something where there was a little bit of rumblings there before. It does not sound like he is in the plans for Baltimore. Remember, his his cousin, Marquise, plays for the Baltimore Ravens. And they were there were rumored to potentially be a, a possible suitor. That's not going to be a destination. That's um, according to Justina Anderson. So that really leaves Seattle as the, the lone spot. I mean, hey, Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown on the same field sounds really interesting to me. It's going to be something that I'm going to monitor but at this point, you know, would I disagree with him being taken in the 16th round? Should he have been taken any earlier? No, should not have been taken any earlier. And and there's still more to this. Like if he was, let's say the Seahawks signed him because he's eligible to be signed right now. He could be signed by anybody. 
If that happened, the league could step in and put him on commissioner's exempt immediately. There could still be a a suspension leveled against Antonio Brown. So there's a lot of moving parts there. I wouldn't get too cute with this one. I, I don't think we should, you know, do the like, let's put Antonio Brown's sticker on the board in round seven thing. I think that's getting way too cute. Now, of course, the NFL changes very quickly. So we'll, of course, revisit this as we have. Uh, some more information. So anyway, I wanted to address those because, you know, every time, it seems like every every year we get to this time of the year and, you know, at least it's Josh Gordon's name that pops up. Well, now Antonio Brown's name is going to be in the mix there uh, for that sort of thing too in terms of like, should you speculate? Should you, you know, draft him with limited information? So anyway, let's dive in to this game. And yes, that's right. New podcast, new music. And no, we didn't change the theme song of my pod, but yeah, we got a little game show theme song here. So, who would you rather? That's the name of the game. I'm going to tell you two players going close in ADP, and I'm going to tell you who I would rather take if I was faced with that decision. So, let's get things kicked off here with uh, our first. And I'm going to basically, I went through ADP, so I went through the earliest rounds. And we went all the way down to pretty much as late as I could go. I think it's about 13th round. And and these guys could even be, you know, 14th round guys. So anyway, start at the top. And I, I did think this was interesting. This could be an early second round decision for you at wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins or Tyreek Hill. They're going 13th and 14th in ADP. And just a reminder, I'm not going to use ESPN, Yahoo, etc. because those ADPs are very much shaped by site rankings. So I just went with uh, Best Ball ADP, a consensus Best Ball ADP uh, across uh, the current Best Ball sites. And, you know, that really, I often find that at this time of year, that's the best way to gauge these sorts of things. It'll be a little bit different than what you're going to see in your drafts, but relatively close in terms of where you can expect these guys to go. So with this one, this is a tricky one because Tyreek Hill, I'd say this flat out, he has the highest ceiling of any any wide receiver for sure. I don't know if I would say any player, but certainly any wide receiver, he has the highest fantasy ceiling in any given week. But the problem with Tyreek Hill is he is very much a fantasy roller coaster ride throughout the course of the season. And it's really easy right now to think about just the big picture, the season. But when we get into the nitty-gritty of the season, uh it's it's not as easy to think about the big picture, especially when they go out, you know, a player goes out and has, you know, down weeks which Tyreek Hill can have he could be the number one fantasy wide receiver any given week. In fact, he did it three times in 2018. He didn't do it last year, but he had three top fives. Uh, he could also be well outside of the top 30 in any given week. So that roller coaster ride for me in a season-long league, if it was best ball, yeah, I would probably, yeah, I'd, I'd look at Tyreek Hill at least 50% of the time there and maybe slightly more. It's close. It's about a coin flip for me between these two. But in a season-long league where I'm not playing, you know, if I'm playing 100 best ball leagues, then yeah, 50-50. I want, I want exposure to both of them. In season-long leagues, I mean, I'm only playing a handful of them, and you're only playing a handful of them. So you really want to take your best shot here. I think your best shot is with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I do have a little bit of concern in that offense because I do want to see Kyler Murray take a step forward. I know a lot of people are just assuming it's going to happen, but I I don't know if it's a safe assumption. 
He was a good fantasy asset last year. Let's be clear about that because of what he adds with his legs. But that doesn't matter for Hopkins' sake, right? For Hopkins' sake, he needs him to take a step forward as a passer. Needs the volume to be there. Needs the offense to sustain drives because if they do, they're I mean, they're going to run a lot of plays this year. But I am leaning in that direction, and I like the fact that you can get him in the second round. Remember, he almost fell to the, the mid-second round to me in that mock draft. So let's do the next one. Uh, this one, most of them are the same position, but I, I wanted to get a little cute with this one because it did strike me since they were back-to-back in ADP. And I probably wouldn't take either one of these guys in this spot, but I did want to at least talk about it. The two players are Lamar Jackson and George Kittle. They're going respectively 22nd and 23rd in ADP, so late second round picks for both of them. I'm not taking a quarterback that early ever in a one quarterback league. Really, probably not in a two quarterback league either, because really your wheelhouse for two quarterback leagues is typically the fourth or fifth round is where you know you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Anyway, we'll do that. We'll do a two quarterback super flex league pod. But I'm not taking a tight end in this range either because the value is just so much better in the 6th, 7th, 8th round range of the draft than it is in the late 2nd. But I do think this is an intriguing, um, you know, an intriguing who would you rather because you're talking about the guy who is uh, the odds-on favorite to be the number one quarterback and a guy who, I mean, he's not the favorite, but he is right there with Travis Kelsey to be the number one tight end. So you could have the number one player out of position. That's that's always a good thing if you're able to score that. In this instance, I I do think if I had to make the decision and I was faced with this decision of Lamar or Kittle, I would go Kittle. And it's not a knock on Lamar. It really comes down to the respective uh, depth at each of these positions. At quarterback the depth is really it's pretty darn insane when you think about it how deep you can go at the position because I mean here think about this you have Lamar sure you have Mahomes sure but even if I go down if I go down to like quarterback 11 quarterback 12 these are you're talking like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Even if I go down, I have Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback seventeen, and no, Ben's not going to outscore Lamar Jackson. But in terms of the the value at the position, he's going to be a lot closer to Lamar Jackson than the running backs that I'm taking in that range compared to Christian McCaffrey. Right? That's the the basic thought process. Whereas at tight end. All right, so I'll I'll run through this quickly. Ready? Kelsey Kittle, Ertz, Andrews, Waller, Henry, Henry, Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby. All right, I'm cool with those guys. Jared Cook. These are my rankings, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if I'm cool with Jared Cook. Yeah, not feeling that comfortable here. Rob Gronkowski. Love Gronk. Big name. Don't know how comfortable I am with him. Austin Hooper. All right, we're off the rails. I am not comfortable whatsoever. So we have eight tight ends that I'm comfortable with. And once we get into that range where these guys are being drafted, they're being drafted in that like Ben Roethlisberger range, I am not confident whatsoever that I have anything more than a three for 32 tight end. And if you're new to that concept, the three for 32 is a tight end who catches three balls for 32 yards, or it's three for 29, or three for 35. It happens every week. There's a ton of them. And if they score a touchdown, they're awesome. And if they don't, they suck. Not really, but that's the perception of those guys. So anyway, uh, 
because of the positional scarcity, I'm going with Kittle. All right. Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon? Let's go with some unsexy older running backs. They're going 26th and 27th overall right now. And I have seen Gordon go before Gurley. I have seen Gurley go before Gordon. I don't think there is consensus on this one. However, for me, it's pretty easy. It's Gurley. And it's not, uh, I know, put the phone down. You don't have to tweet me immediately and tell me about Gurley's knee. (laughs) Okay? It's not about uh, any sort of skill difference or anything like that. I, I mean, I have concerns about both of them. But... Gordon is on a depth chart with Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Gurley is on a depth chart with Ito Smith and Quadri Allison. <laughs> like, there's nobody there. There's no, I'm, nobody, and and I'm, I mean, there's other guys on the depth chart for sure, but nobody there who's going to threaten Gurley. Gurley has a clear path to a bell cow role. Gordon does not. So I'm going with Gurley. Uh, next up, we're going late third round here. Jonathan Taylor or James Conner. Now, let's be clear. So 34-35. I love Jonathan Taylor. I am not taking him in the late third round. I don't know why his ADP is this high. I do love him, but there is going to be a committee there. And then beyond that, he is not going to be a three-down back just because Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines is going to be way, you know, heavily involved in the passing game. So that's way too early for Jonathan Taylor. This is that rookie effect that we see year in and year out where rookies go earlier than they probably should in most instances. Not every time. Connor, I don't like at all. But when you look at the backfield, and man, I mean, there was a point last year where Benny Snell looked better than Connor, and Benny Snell should not have looked better than Connor. But also, speaking of looking good, have you seen the pictures of Connor is yoked this offseason? Good Lord. Absolutely jacked. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good on the football field, but hopefully his health will be better here. You know, he's had these injury issues. I'm going with Connor. Uh, He's actually going a pick later than Taylor, but it's more... I don't love Connor, but if I was faced with this decision, I'm going with Connor over Taylor because there's no way I'm taking Taylor this early. All right, how about this? Cooper Cup or James Connor's teammate, Juju Smith Schuster, 39 and 40. Cooper Cup is a really good football player. I so enjoy watching him play the game. You know, sometimes too, by the way, I know we get so caught up with fantasy, so caught up with DFS, so caught up with betting that we maybe forget to stop and smell the roses. Remember, football is freaking awesome. So sometimes just sit back and watch these guys play. I know we want them to score, you know, fantasy points, blah, 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 or, you know, go over or go under or, you know, beat spread or whatever. But sometimes you just got to watch him play. He's really fun to watch. Now, Juju's coming off a down year. But when I look at these two, I'm really still looking ceiling over floor. Who has the higher floor? It's Cup. Yeah. Who has the higher ceiling? I do think it is Juju. And it's not an easy one for me because I'm not overly bullish on Juju. I think this is a really tough decision, and I think this is a decision that maybe you might even face on draft day. I'm leaning Juju. Again, best ball? Eh. Get 50% shit of each of them in in this spot. But in a season-long league where maybe I only have a couple of them, I'm going to lean Juju just because of the higher, what I think is a higher ceiling with Ben under center. All right, let's move to, let's do some rookie running backs. DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, 51 and 52. Heading into the draft, 
Swift was way ahead of Akers in my uh, rookie rankings. Although, as I went through the process, so for me, the process of ranking rookies starts all the way back in January. During the playoffs, I start to really get a lay of the land. I know who the big names are, but now I can watch them a little bit closer because I don't have time to watch a lot of college football during the, uh, you know, during the actual season. So I go back and watch these guys. But for me, the process, it's even after the combine, I'm still trying to you know, learn as much about these guys as possible. So heading into the combine, I was way higher on Swift than I was on Akers. The more I watched Akers, though, he started to gain ground. Before the draft, though, I still had Swift well ahead. But Akers was gaining ground, and really it was because of how good he had to be behind that awful offensive line at Florida State. He's pretty good. He's pretty, pretty good. Now, landing spot, of course, changes everything, though. And so I had them compared, you know, even even playing field uh, in a vacuum, essentially, before the draft, Swift was the better player for me. But the landing spot, now, given the fact that Swift is going to be in a committee with on Johnson, whereas Akers, he's not going to be in an early down committee. He's, I, I do think Daryl Henderson's going to have more receiving work, but he's going to be involved there. Akers is in a better position to see touches right away, so I'm going to go with Akers. He's going one pick behind Swift. I'm going with Akers. All right, uh, next up, DJ Chark or Devontae Parker, 58-59. Now, we know how Parker ended the season. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He was a top five fantasy wideout down the stretch. Phenomenal. Finally broke out, right? The Basically, everybody wrote him off, and it finally happened. However, something interesting. Over the first eight weeks of the season, we did see Preston Williams on the field. He was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. Like We knew he had big play upside coming out of college, but I didn't think he was going to make an impact right out of the gate. He did. Now, it wasn't a massive... It wasn't like he was like a top five wideout or anything, but over the first eight games, so it was nine weeks because the Dolphins' bye week was in week five. Over the first eight games, Williams saw 59 targets. Parker had 48. He had four more catches than Parker over that span, too. So maybe Parker was a little bit more effective, you know, efficient. Parker had four touchdowns. Williams had three. That's not the point. The decision isn't Parker or Williams. It's Parker or Chark. And I just, the Spidey senses tingle a little bit when it comes to Preston Williams being on the field. I don't think that he's going to be ahead of Parker, but I think that he's going to, his presence is enough to somewhat limit Parker's volume. Uh, not not a ton, like, I still think Parker's in the mix as a back-end wide receiver too. Whereas with Chark, I think we more or less know what to expect because we got basically a full season of these wide receivers last year. You know, we got a full season of Chark and Didi on the field and Chark really breaking out and the genie being out of the bottle. And now we're not going to be able to put that thing back in. So I am leaning Chark there. It's not saying that I hate Parker, but, you know, again, the thought process behind it, the rationale behind it is there. Uh, Let's go a little bit deeper. Picks 88 and 89. Deontay Johnson. There we go. Our obligatory Deontay Johnson reference of the day. Or Brandon Cooks. Hmm. Brandon Cooks. Boom or bust. <laughs> right? Now, Deontay Johnson is obviously relatively unproven at this point. We don't 
we had you know we had the big performance at the end of the season. We had a couple top thirty performances out of him during the course of the year. He was top thirty uh, five weeks out of the season. But more or less, I'm using a lot of what we saw in special teams and and projecting forward here. Whereas with Brandon Cooks, I mean, we know what to expect out of Brandon Cooks. In fact, I do have these guys back-to-back in my rankings at 38 and 39 among wide receivers. What do we expect out of Brandon Cooks? Well, he could have a boom week. Or he could have literally zero catches. He could be on the field for the entire game and have literally zero catches. Fantasy goose egg. I've been bitten by that snake one too many times for fantasy purposes. And while there's opportunity there in Houston, not going down that road again, if I was faced with this decision, I am going to go with Deontay Johnson. Now, am I going to do it in the seventh round? I don't think I can. I can do it in the eighth round. Seventh round feels a little too early. All right, we got four more for you here. Let's go with the classic Breeze or Brady. They're going 102 and 103 in ADP. Breeze was awesome. Once he came back from injury last year, really impressive stuff. I mean, from a fantasy finish standpoint, uh, here are the fantasy finishes uh, after returning from injury. So he returns in week eight. He finishes fourth, then 21st, eh, then 10th, 7th, 25th, eh, first, third, seventh, sixth. He was sixth in week 17. Who cares? But um, ultimately, he, he had a lot of good performances down the stretch. Really was impressive. Only three quarterbacks outscored him over that stretch. Lamar, obviously, and then Jameis and Tannehill were the other two. Uh, And fantasy points per game over that stretch. So anyway, uh, I like Breeze, but I, hey, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm buying in fully on this Tampa offense. I am buying in fully on Tom Brady in this range. If people are undervaluing him, In any season-long league I'm in, I'm going to scoop him up wherever I can. If I can get him in double-digit rounds, absolutely. So I'm going with Brady there. Uh, How about this one? McCole Hardman or Jamison Crowder at 115 and 116? Could there be two more completely different wide receivers? Hardman, upside, speed, Crowder, you know, low A dot. I mean, Crowder's a decent athlete. There's no doubt about it, but he he doesn't have a ton of upside on any given play whereas Hardman has the you know massive upside I wrote up Crowder today for my draft guide which will be coming out uh, early next month and you know basically I mean he was pretty good last year but it was one of those and I, I say this phrase a lot somebody has to catch the ball it was one of those like nobody else was there last year this year we do have Brashad Perryman. Okay, well, you know, I get that. And Denzel Mims. But these guys are going to eat more into his his target volume. And that's really the key with Crowder. He needs that volume. Whereas with Hardman, does he need volume to be effective? I mean, think about what he was able to do last year. McCole Hardman had four receptions of 40-plus yards. That was tied for 12th in the league among wide receivers. He did it on 26 catches. He had six touchdowns on 26 catches 23 percent of his catches went for touchdowns that's sick 36 targets can we can we double that this year I mean I didn't I currently haven't projected at 65 targets so doubling it obviously 72 pretty close if he does that he's he's not going to be a top 20 guy he's not going to even probably be a top 
30 guy, but he's going to have a couple weeks where where we're taking him, by the way, hopefully in the 10th round, although I'm seeing him creeping into the ninth. But if we're taking him in the 10th round, I'm all about that upside there because you're probably not using him most weeks, but I'd much rather have that that upside on my bench. Uh, all right, Mike Gesicki, Dallas Goddard, 121-122, two guys who I have a lot of shares of already in best ball. For me, this one's fairly easy. I love Dallas Goddard, but Mike Gesicki, well, Dallas Goddard has something that Mike Gesicki doesn't, and that's a bad thing for Goddard, and it's a teammate named Zach Ertz. Gasecki doesn't have that, and he's the guy, and he was also pretty darn good down the stretch. So, you know, while I do definitely like getting Dallas Goddard if I was faced with the decision between the two, I am going Gasecki. Uh, finally, I mentioned Preston Williams. Let's circle back to him at 141, and then Jalen Rager at 142. This one is a really tough one because I do like Preston Williams. These guys are both basically boomer bust receivers. And I did say earlier, you have this sort of rookie uh, effect where rookies tend to go a little bit earlier than they should. Maybe that isn't happening with Rager right now because I think this is fair market value on him. In fact, right now with Rager, my, um, my, my round grade, I have him as a round 13 pick. That being said, uh, Preston Williams, I do have as a round 10 value. So I'm going to take Preston Williams. I I'm so I want to get shares of Jalen Rager. I'm so almost tempted to just say screw my rankings, but I'm not going to do that because you know, hey, that'll happen on draft day, especially if you have a couple uh, adult beverages. You say screw the rankings, you just start, you know, <laughs> you just start improvising, <laughs> going rogue on your rankings, and it doesn't always work out very well. So I'm going to stick to the story here. Go with Preston Williams, even though it's super tempting to go with Jalen Rager. All right, there you go. A little game of Who Would You Rather. Uh, That is going to do it for us today on the show, but uh, you can continue to follow along with us here. We'll be back tomorrow, obviously, with another edition of the pod. We're going daily straight on through to January, actually. Yeah, baby. So you get me five days a week uh, until 2021. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe and on Instagram at Jeff Ratcliffe and use that hashtag Rat Pack. I see you, Rat Packers. That way I know you're a listener of the pod. And yo, appreciate you. Appreciate all of the iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. Review the show on iTunes. Give me a rating. I really appreciate that. That, that helps me out more than you know as we get this pod launched. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the show. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here. 